Not sure what to do with it. Picks his moment. Goes short to Melbourne. And Stephen Melbourne right up for goal number 11. And quarters. We believe that this little fellow with the footy is the only player this season to kick a haul of 10 goals, to kick double figures in the one game. Listen to the crowd. Tell you what, make him a late charge for the Coleman. Listen to the crowd. Milton's got 10 straight. And it is our great pleasure to catch up with one of the greatest small forwards of all time and an all-time great of the St Kilda Football Club. Over 250 games, over 560 career goals. I speak of Stephen Milne. And uh, Milne, thanks for uh, giving us your time today. G'day, boys. How are we going? Going very well. We're going to start off by hitting you right between the eyes with the issue of the week. We've, we've heard Nick Rewalt and, and Brendan Goddard speak about this a lot. You played a lot of footy under Ross Lyon. You played a lot of very good football under Ross Lyon, he's departed the Fremantle Football Club. Are you one who uh, believes St Kilda should at least ask the question, or uh, do you feel that uh, that maybe his time at the club would be uh, would, would have, the way it ended last time might count against him? No, I don't think so. I think I was very shocked and disappointed yesterday, and um, a little bit upset the way it kind of unfolded over there. But it was, uh, if the Saints should ring him straight away and just. Just have a chat to see where he's heads at. I think um, you know, let bygones be bygones, and you know what happened in the past happened in the past. But I think uh, it'll be silly for the Saints not to um, even just pick up the phone, and touch base with him, and see what he's thinking. So, as Louis and BJ said, he was kind of like a father figure. And obviously, I heard Matty Pavlich today, um, Sonny Walters. You know, couldn't talk highly enough of Ross, and I'm in that boat as well. Kind of treating him like a second father and a father figure, and um, we've got a big catch up in a month, Cleveland weekend, which we do about five years now and um, you know Ross is coming to that so um, hopefully everything's cooled cool. down by then uh, Milne what do you think set Ross apart for, for you in, in your career and, and, and for the boys at the club what what made him such a, a special part of, of that unit well I think he was just kind of he was one of the boys um, as, as Willie said you, you know we didn't like the softies and if you did if you went above and beyond um, and actually tried your hardest week in week out and left no stone unturned. Um, you know, he liked you, but if you didn't, it, uh, it was very tough to get in. Um, and he was like one of the boys, you could have a beer with him, but he just wasn't all the coach. He was kind of like a mate as well, and it wasn't all just footy, footy, footy. You could kind of talk to him about life in general and, and stuff like that. So that's what kind of set him apart and um, his relationships that he built with the players um, on and off the field. And, and obviously, we're still pretty close, um, you know, kind of five, six years down the track now. So... Hopefully we're still doing these kind of prelim or the John Grand Final catch-ups in, in 20, 25 years to come. And it's like we're still at the club when we catch up. It's, you know, it's a, it's a long lunch and a long day, but it's like we're still at the Abraham um, in the four walls, cracking jokes and, um, you know, doing that kind of stuff. So that's what sets him apart and that's why everyone loves him. But obviously over there to, to um, uh, footy town, um, it's pretty tough and, Obviously, it uh, hit him right between the eyes yesterday. It's unfortunate. Now, it seems like Rossi was a pretty bit of a, a bit of a hard taskmaster from the outside. He famously dropped yourself and Nick Delzano at one point. Uh, what was the message you gave you when that happened? Yeah, <laughs> that was a long time ago, the famous uh, dropping. Yeah, just, obviously, that week, Del and I, just, I think I had a couple of that game, but I didn't have any tackles or 
quite a no contested ball. So I was just kind of looking to get on the scoreboard and not do the hard work. And um, he obviously sat myself and Dale down and said, "This can't keep going. We're, you know, we're losing, and we've got to set a set an example and set a standard at the club that um, this can't. You know, we can't do this going forward." So he kind of set the standard, and after that, I probably played my best footy. Um, and Dell did as well after after we got got dropped. That was round thirteen, two thousand and eight. So St Kilda entered that game five and seven. If we look back historically, that may have been a turning point. We won eight of our last ten that year, made a prelim, and then obviously two thousand and nine was was outstanding. And, and two thousand and ten, do you did you sort of look back at that as a lot of clubs reference a line in the sand? I mean, you and Del Sano go out of the side for one week, come back and play great footy, and, and the side really launched from there. Yeah, I'll take, I'll take it. I'll, I'll, I'll put it all on me that I turned the club around. But no, I think yeah, it was because he set a standard and and the culture, the club that you know it's not the, it's it's a hard way, not the easy way. And I was trying to look for a few cheapies over the back. You know, kind of Joe the Goose is not working hard enough. And um and and Dell and I changed after that. Our contested ball and tackling numbers went up, and and the team kind of changed. It wasn't obviously just us two, but it kind of set a set a standard for everyone at the footy club that it's going to be the hard way, not the easy way. Um. And moving forward, after that, you know, we kind of, um, you know, we had a massive win-loss ratio and I think there was a game in Perth where we went over to Perth and we sat down, I remember it like it was yesterday, we were five and seven and it might have been after that, after that, it might have been Gold Coast, actually went up to Gold Coast, uh, Gold Coast to play North um, yep, yep. and we beat North, we were six goals down at half time and, and we come and beat North as well, so it was kind of a turning point for that year, but then obviously for nine, ten um, you know, and, and 11 moving forward. And then after that, um, you know, kind of everything went downhill from there, unfortunately. Just just one from me before I hand it back to the guys as well. Uh, just yep. unfortunately through these podcasts, we've spoken about a lot of painful memories with close grand finals and things like that. But uh, one, and, and not to sort of give you sleepless nights, but that 2010 draw and, and everybody remembers the famous bounce of the ball. From your recollections of it, um, some people who were sitting in the crowd said the ball was a long way away. The ball was further away than it seems on camera. How close was the footy when it yep. when it veered right? And did you have that thought in your head that I'm about to win us a flag? Yeah, well, I did. I did. When he kind of kicked, kicked it in, and I kind of, um, you know, had had Ben Johnson covered, and you know, kind of landed about, you know, kind of three meters, kind of in front of me. So it's kind of if I dive for it and miss it, and then it goes over my head, and we don't. Um, mate, just might get you to rewind uh, a little bit back to the, the start of your career. Obviously, famously out of the, the Essendon reserves. How did how did that move come about? Is it uh, Johnny Beveridge special, or, or kind of how how did you make that move from the the red and black to the red, black, and white? Yeah, it was. I kind of did a. I got kind of got overlooked in the draft, uh, '97 and '98, with the Daniel on Stingways, and I was doing a pre-season at Frankston, um, so I was in the Hampton Park. And Adam Amanaskis, who got drafted to Essendon, um, kind of rang up and Adrian Dodoro. They were shorter numbers, so I just played a couple of practice matches and then ended up getting on the supplementary list, three hundred dollars a game, and ended up winning the flag against the Saints. Um, and then that year, Johnny Beveridge just yeah plucked me out. Um, kind of on the rookie list number 23, the, the bomber said they were going to take me late, but um, Johnny Beveridge kind of plucked me out of the blue, and um, next thing I was at the Saints, and um, yeah, 14 years later, um, you know, you had a few hundred games, and one club player, just, yeah, pretty proud. 
Yeah, we had your mate Schneids on last week. Um, told us a couple of good stories and that, and I was just thought maybe turn the tables and got any stories that you could actually tell us on the air? Oh, Snides did. Oh, Snides is a, a classic Snides. Um, one of the guys that's... Uh, ne- I've never seen a guy that's so scared of skin folds trying to have any life. Snides, Snides, um, Snides and I were a little bit chubby, and if you got uh, over 50 in the skin folds, you'd have to go to the Jenny Craig group. So I was a little bit, little bit skinnier than Snides, but not far. But Snides tried every trick in the book the night before the skin folds. I think he was more nervous of getting his skin folds done done than he was um, playing footy. He used to jump in the ice bath because he, he thought he'd, he'd, his tummy and that would shrink just before he would get the skateboards out. He uh, drank four or five litres of water because he thought um, his body would get bloated so they couldn't get all the fat. <laughs> so um, for a guy that um, didn't eat veggies um, and a lot of junk food, he did pretty well in his career, I was not. Uh, looking back also at the early stages of your, your career, um, your relationship with, with Grant Thomas, I know he at times was, was critical of what he perceived to be your form in finals, something that was very, very good in the, in the back half of your career, 8, 9, 10, through, through that period. But uh, I think he kicked yep. 11 against Brisbane famously, and, and he spoke about how uh, he wasn't even sure he was going to pick you in the final the, the following week. Uh, what was, your, I guess, your relationship like with Grant and your reflections on, on him as a coach? Yeah, I suppose Grant and I was a bit of a love-hate relationship um, with Tomo and I. Um, that was back in the day where you could actually get dragged. So as you as a forward pocket, it's a bit of a starvation corner down there. And if you didn't get a kick in kind of 10, 15 minutes, you would be off the ground for 10, 15. So it's pretty hard to get a kick and kick a goal when you're on the bench for 10, 15 minutes. So um, if Tomo was coached these days with the rotations, you know, I kind of might have get a bit more game time, but... Um, and that was the early days when I was probably a little bit, little bit mature, immature and I was kind of only 24, 25 and going on the big stage, you know, 4 and 05 with Fraser and all that. So there were a couple of games that, you know, I wasn't proud of, but towards the back end when I got a bit more resilient and a bit more um, consistent, I kind of thought I uh, yeah, was okay in a few finals and obviously the 09 granny wasn't, it wasn't a great one, but, um, you know, the, the 010 wasn't too bad. So um, but Tomo was great for the footy club. He, he, he treated every player like... Um, he was their own, and um, you know we used to go back to Tomo's house after the game and watch the replay and have a few beers and that. So, but it, uh, yeah, it was a bit of a love-hate relationship with old Tomo, but he still lives and breathes the uh, St Kilda Footy Club. Um, you know, he loves it. He yeah, he lo- loves a good comment and loves getting up, uh, stirring people up. Just to follow on from those eleven goals that Darren was just talking about, how was yep, it lining I'm up? To to... Talk about it all night if you want. <laughs> <laughs> how how was it lining up for that eleventh goal with the chant in the background? Yeah, it was pretty special. Look, look at it now. It was 15 years ago. So um, look back at it now and only kind of talk about it when you know you're at a sportsman's day or lunch and or doing an interview like this. Just to go back and I think of Mum's watched it about 10 times and I've watched it two or three. She's got the DVD and um, I was just running full of adrenaline kind of that day. And I don't think I, I was never going to miss going back and um, even the one in the boundary and and the one straight in front. So that was a day where. Everywhere I went, the board has kind of landed in my lap. So unfortunately, it didn't happen a few more times. <laughs> um, <laughs> Would have been a lot easier. Yeah. Really, there's another time the ball kind of followed you a little bit, and, and it's been uh, it's kind of been moved into into AFL folklore, and it's Rui's mark at the SCG. How, how yeah, can... I know. I get nothing for that, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> can you walk us through those those few moments? Do you do you remember it? Um. Uh, yeah, I do. Um, I remember Robert Harvey kicking it, and I'm just kind of. 
um, going towards the ball because obviously I was I was in front and I didn't even see Rui coming. Um, yeah, it was our first year, uh, Rui's first year. I think it was my first year as well, 2001. And um, I was lucky not to get King Cuffs or anything. He kind of just brushed me um, and I got up and kind of played the rest of the game. But I get no credit for it. It was my mark and Rui just took it and hogged it. And um, I don't even think he got mark of the year. Did he get mark of the year? No, actually, Sam sure. got it. Yeah, yeah. I think he got mark of the yeah, week. Oh, that, that's mark yeah. of the week, but not mark the year. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but uh, I get no credit credit for that at all because it was my mark that Rui was running back and he could have hurt himself and hurt me as well. So I thought, I think it was pretty stupid by Rui, actually. <laughs> it might, I, might, it. <laughs> I might be biased, but um, he didn't get mark of the year, but I think it's the greatest mark ever taken in the history of the game. So it's, no, uh, I'm, I'm with you. It was uh, pretty courageous. I mean, I can even... Brownies was kind of second one against Hawthorne, and that was pretty special as well. So, but I think, uh, yeah, Rui's was a lot better. We, we've often debated, I guess, our favourite Stephen Milne goals. You kicked... 560-odd for the club. Is there one in particular that you're like, well, that's my favourite goal? I mean, is it the one you kicked in the drawn granny to get us within a point because of its importance, or is there a particular spectacular goal that you uh, remember most? Yeah, that's probably the, the one in, in the grand final because we were that close, and I remember celebrating. I was celebrating too hard, and I went dizzy for a little bit because I went pretty nuts. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I think compose myself, but probably the one at Port Adelaide where it went over really head. Um, and uh, kind of, yeah, kind of dribbled it towards the into the goals, and then kind of got caught out of that chest. What a bit of a bit of a bit of a serve and a bit of a mouthful. That was probably my me, me favourite one because we were nine or ten goals up, and um, really dropped it or just went over Willie's head for once. So uh, I, I kind of got a piece of it, and um, yeah, that, that's probably my me, me favourite one. But obviously, the one at the grand final was was pretty special. I thought we kind of, yeah, we we had it there, and we we're about to overtake him. Mm-hmm. Mate, you you mentioned earlier some of the the stuff that you used to get up to with uh, with Snides. Obviously, you were you were known yep. as a bit of a, a prankster, or a jokester at the club, and uh, there were a few other boys around the around the locker room that, that would have been in that group as well. Can you can you tell us one of the the better pranks that you would have seen or been involved in? Oh yeah, Bakes was um, Stevie Baker was one of the best um, kind of at that, but one of the best ones was kind of getting the. A few of the young guys' cars um, when they first get to the club and kind of moving their cars, you know, kind of two or three blocks away, and you know, they walk out to their car and we're filming them. And one of the guys, I think, it was Justin Sweeney. Um, he, I think he played one or two games. Like it took him like two and a half hours to find his car, <laughs> which wasn't, which, which is pretty funny. And obviously, the one where we put, I can't remember who it was, but we put about two hundred golf balls um, in the back of one of the boys' car and moved it to when he opened. Opened all these doors, all golf balls just fell out of the car. So they're probably the <laughs> they're probably the, the two favourite ones where I've, I've got that done to me as well. The, the car it only took me about twenty minutes to find it, but um, yeah, they're probably the, the most favourite ones that I can I can tell on here. There's some other ones that you can tell, but <laughs> probably not the right place. <laughs> as we let you go, Milne, with the um, EJ Whitten Legends game coming up, obviously you're running around again. I imagine you'd be the type of player that would have a bit of fun. I'm sure there's plenty of guys out there that you know they, they see it as another opportunity to uh, to get 35 touches and and you know take them the more serious route. But, but I guess that is a it's a very good cause and a good chance for for you guys to all go out on show. And uh, how do you feel about the AFLX concept? Yeah, a bit different, a bit different, but um, uh, I've been training. I think I'm going to go, go pretty hard at it and do the old Richie Vandenberg style, I think. So um, I think I'm going to go off the letter now. I'll be the complete opposite. I'll just be standing in the goal square um, doing nothing. But having a look at the list, standing in the goal square, I think I'll be getting kicked out of there because there's Fev, there's Brad Johnson, Ben Dixon, there's Jared White, 
Um, so Trevor's close so between the six and seven of us. I'm not sure who's going to move far from the goal spot. You, you reckon you might uh, be able to give Ben Dixon a few goal-kicking tips? <laughs> well, he's a, he's a goal-kicking uh, <laughs> coach at, at the Saints. So, um, no, it should be a good night. Obviously, it's for a great cause. So, yeah, it's time to test. So, if you want to get out, get out there and test yourself, it only, it only takes a blood test these days. So, it's, you know, it's a massive cause. And, obviously, it's been going for about, oh, I think, 15, 16, maybe longer years now. In the last couple of years, I've kind of said no because I was still playing local footy and, um, I didn't want to play in case I got injured because we were kind of in finals and stuff. So this year, because I'm not playing, I thought it was uh, yeah, good op- good opportunity to play and um, and have a bit of fun and hopefully they can they can pack it out. It's a bit of a different kind of setup, but um, you know it should be good and try and catch up with all the boys after the game. That's where I'll probably do my best work. And it was good to see you and Bakes win flags in local footy as well. It was a good reward, and uh, you're a superstar for the Saints, Milne, and we appreciate you giving us some time uh, sharing some uh, some stories across your career. No, thanks, boys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.